0: Multipliers, welcome back to another episode of The Money Multiplier Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Kessler, and we ask ourselves, do our dollars make sense? So today I'm joined by my dad, Brent Kessler here, and we're going to be talking about how to really use our money and how to have it go out there and work even harder for us. So some of y'all know dad's background and kind of what he does with his money and his investment lifestyle, but I wanted to bring him on just to talk deeper into it about how he's using his infinite banking policies to do so. So, Dad, thanks for coming over today.
1: Well, thank you, Hannah, for having me. And we're here in your, um, is it okay to say, you're yeah. in your new house, your new condo now, in Daytona Beach Shores, beachside. I look out to the window, and there's the Atlantic Ocean over there, the east coast of Florida. And you look out the other window, and there's the intercoastal. So, um yeah i guess uh back when you started looking at properties and houses and condos and so this was our first condo that we went to right that we looked at this is our first one that we went to and obviously the first one we take you to is on the penthouse level on the top floor (laughs) you know just a note out there uh guys is uh guys and gals is once you take your kids to the top floor of the condo and show them the penthouse you can never take them to a lower level yeah like Nelson Nash says what he says once you experience a luxury it now becomes a necessity right? that's
0: parkinson's law <laughs> from that chapter
1: could you ever imagine going back to roll down windows no you know you probably don't even remember roll down windows you or having an so,
0: AC in your car or not
1: have an AC in your car right because once you experience that luxury it's just like it's kind of like your mother now that she's ridden in the front of the airplane when we fly commercial. Yeah. You know, now that she's ridden in the front of the plane, she's like, well, why are we riding in the back? You know, I'm always supposed to ride in the front of the airplane. So a luxury experience now becomes a necessity.
0: That's it. No, and I like living here because I really don't get out too much and I'm always in my condo talking with people all day long about banking. So I like the view here. So if I'm going to be in my house for over 72 hours plus, might as well have a nice view.
1: Yeah, you are in your house a lot. You hardly ever get out. That's why you could never have a dog. Yeah. Your dog would be, like, Hannah, when where are we going out? crossing his <laughs> legs, wanting to hurry up and get out. Cats? Like Daisy here and Monroe over there. I mean, cats are good, right? Because they're inside animals.
0: Yeah. No, so it's good. So I, I'm settling in and everything. You probably don't want to see behind the camera oh. right now. My, Pardon my French, but my shit is everywhere. So I'm putting everything away, and that's what I'm going to spend this weekend doing.
1: Well, that's all good. You just moved in here two days ago, so, you know, it's expected. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this is my first visit since you moved in, and I was surprised. Is to see how much stuff you've actually put away. Yeah. I, I was thinking it was going to be, oh my gosh, everything's going to be over. The, it, it, everything's going to be all over, but you've already done a lot and put a lot of stuff away.
0: Yeah. No, so thanks for coming over today. Yeah. Um, and let's kind of start here because... Most folks in the community know your background. Um, But first, you know, how you were utilizing your infinite banking Mm -hmm. policy is you had that boatload of debt. Mm -hmm. You had your chiropractic loans. You had the clinics in Kansas City. You had wave runners, boats, the other houses elsewhere. And that's what most people do. I mean, when they show up at our front door, most of the time they're in debt. And that's what we help them get out of first is how to start. taking back the control and freeing up some of that monthly cash flow that they're sending out to the debt people but once that debt has gotten paid off, because the implementation team and their money mentor of who they're working with over here at the money multiplier, that's what they'll help them do first is when they create that money multiplier map so that they can see visually. Hey Monroe.
1: Monroe. <laughs> Daisy's over here on the right. And Monroe's here.
0: But they can see visually, you know, how they're gonna be using the policy to go and clear off those debts. So after the debts get paid off, people will come to us and they'll say, okay, well, now my debt's paid off. I got this money. What should I go do with it? I got all this money and I need to go do something with it because Hannah, you've taught me that my money is made in the motion of it. So what should I do and how should I go put this capital to work? And so that's why I wanted to bring you on because that's what you do all day long is you go out there and you invest your money into those different asset classes that you like, know, and understand. Um, But I guess first, what, what kind of got you... Or I should say, what is your first investments that you were really looking at after you got out of the debt?
1: Yeah, well, kind of like you said, you know, when you first get into this, for a lot of people, it's like, hey, I just got to get, you know, this stuff that I owe and I got to get that taken care of. And anyway, just get back control of your money, right? Get control of your finances instead of just going out and paying off a credit card bill or, you know, as far as going, to put money towards your house payment. Let's get it into the policy first, because if we get the money in the policy first, And now once the dollars are in the policy, we can use the money that's in the policy or taking that loan from the general fund of the insurance company. Now we have the ability to recycle and recapture those dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody on here is on a different place in their financial life. Some of you guys are just struggling to get by. You're having a hell of a time buying your cup of coffee tomorrow morning. And some people are multimillionaires and like, okay, I'm way past that. Right. So, um, anyway just to go to the question that you asked you know is is now the thing that i do is i look at obviously i want to get as much money into the policy as i possibly can get in right yeah so as you know as of today as we're talking here what i have like 26 27 28 policies something like that mm-hmm. and i try to buy at least one policy every year or every other year like for example um Today that we're recording this podcast is towards the end of January of 2024, right? Well, I just bought a policy. This was our, this was the, um, anyway, this policy that I just put in place in December was the largest premium policy that I've ever bought out of all of those 20 plus policies, right? We put over, I think it was $425,000 into that policy, annual premium, into that one policy. And guess what else I did? I backdated it for six months. So that means that instead of paying the premium, um, okay, like back in December, which was last month, um, and then I'm going to pay it again in December. No, I backdated it six months earlier. So that was like March or whatever that is, March, April. Mm -hmm. So that premium is going to come due again in March, April, May. You know, it's going to come due because we backdated it six months. So what that allows us to do is to get, is to get two full years of premium in that policy within the period of seven months, Yeah. right? So now you got more money going into the policy, you have more money working. As Nelson Nash says in his book on page 48, Becoming Your Own Banker, you want premium and income to equal. So every dollar that runs through your hands, you want it to get into that policy first. And as time goes on for most of us, what should happen is that you should build your net worth. I mean, even you at 24 years old, you're way better off than you were at 21 years old. Even though you do everything on your own, you have your own car, your own houses, you do all of that stuff on your own, but because of the things that you've been doing with your money and what you've been taught and you've actually been practicing this banking concept in your own life since you were 18 years old and now you're 24, um i mean it's made a world of difference for you financially just in the 6 years as an adult that you've been practicing this not to mention the policies that i bought on you and your brother you know back when you were you know basically pooping in my
0: diapers pooping your
1: pants right yeah. when you were younger <laughs> but i'm talking about your own um policies your own system your own concept your own process The thing you're doing is you're continuing to build your net worth. And just before we came on live, I was saying, Hannah, hey, what's going on with your money situation, right? And it gets bigger and bigger because you're practicing this concept. So the cool thing about what we do at the Money Multiplier is that everything we talk to you about and everything we teach you is what we do in our own financial life. There is no secret sauce that we put on our policies that we don't put on your policy, right? Yep. So With that being said, as you get older, your net worth should continue to increase. Your net worth continues to increase as you're older because Mm. the thing you're doing is you're acquiring more assets, right? You, I mean, eventually, not that you're there yet, but eventually when you get married, you have kids And then after your kids, they go off and they leave. And then it's you and your spouse that that are empty nesters. Now you no longer have the responsibility of the children, right? You don't have to necessarily keep care of them and keep care of their needs, right? And that's kind of the situation where I'm at now is that, you know, so my children are adults. So as I told them when they turned 18, um, right? So after they turned 18, I said, it is no longer what?
0: To keep to your responsibility to keep us alive.
1: <laughs> yeah, when the kids turn eighteen, I say, "Hey guys, you're eighteen. It's no longer my responsibility to keep your ass alive, right?" <laughs> and um, actually, Hannah's done a little bit better job that than her brother. Her brother will still call and say, "Dad, dad, dad, can you help me with this, this, and this?" And Hannah's totally independent. She does all the stuff on her own. But yeah, as we tend to get older, our net worth tends to increase. So as that happens. Now we're looking at other things to do with our money. What do we do with our money? Because look, the worst thing in the world that you can do with your money is have that money come in and you put it into the conventional bank wherever you do your banking with, whether it's Wells Fargo, U.S. Bank, you know, the Bank of California, the Bank of Florida, the Bank of Texas, wherever you have your conventional bank the worst thing in the world that you can do is leave your money sit and parked at the bank yep so we would rather have you park your money inside of the policy so the only difference between a conventional bank and an insurance company is the name on the door, right? Yeah. They're both depositories. They are both places for you to store your money. But if you have a choice of where you want to store your money, do you want to store it in a conventional bank where the stockholders and the shareholders of the bank are going to make all the profits of that? Or do you want to have it in your own banking system, i.e., Your whole life policy in a mutual company that pays dividends, do you want to have it in your own banking system, right? Where you're controlling it, where you're in number one position, where there are no profit holders and shareholders, right? You are the owner of the policy contract. You don't own the insurance company, but you own the policy contract, right? And when you need money, what do we do? We go to the insurance company and call them up and say, hey, Mr. Insurance Company, we need to take a loan on our policy. Now, a lot of times, there's a lot of misconception out there where that people think when you take a loan on your insurance policy, you're actually taking your money. No, no, no. You do not take your money.
0: Not withdrawing.
1: You, yeah, correct. You, You are not taking a withdrawal. Big, big words here. We're taking a policy loan And not a withdrawal, a policy loan, and not a withdrawal. When we take a policy loan, what we're doing is we are simply putting our policy up for collateral, taking a loan from the general fund of the insurance company. So we're using the insurance company's money. That is a great thing. Why is that a great thing? Because All of the money in your policy is still in the policy, and it's growing, and it's compounding. It's growing inside of that tax-free growth rate environment. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Guaranteed growth. Guaranteed growth if you don't know guaranteed. There's there's a guy at one of the insurance companies, his name is Clay Summers. He does a really, really good presentation on guaranteed, guaranteed, guaranteed. That's right. It's guaranteed. It's building inside of the policy. In other words, AKA your banking system and it's building tax-free. So what other vehicle is there on the planet where you're able to use your money and not touch really the principle of your money. You're able to use the money to go out and buy the things you're going to buy in, okay, to buy the things you're going to buy in life anyway, or to pay your debts, your expenses, to make your investments. All, all at the same time, where your money never leaves the policy. It's yeah. still growing and compounded, which is uninterrupted compound interest.
0: Yes. So I don't know of another one.
1: I don't know of anyone either. Nobody's ever showed me this in, um, I first learned about this in 06, and we're sitting here in 2024, so it's 18 years. Nobody showed me yet. Yeah. But let's get to your question.
0: Yeah. Question is, is that when you are, using the policy money if it's not for debt payoff because a lot of people do have that misconception too well hey Hannah I don't have any debt so how is this concept really gonna help me so actually I kind of scratched my first question let me ask you that if I have no debts how is this concept really gonna help me
1: well you got to remember you can't think of this as just third-party debt you can't think of it as your credit card debt your student loans your house mortgage your car payment You have to think of this as every debt and expense that you have, because the thing that you do, no matter what you do with money, it it is all going somewhere, right? Not maybe all, but it's going somewhere, whether it's a debt or an expense. So it doesn't matter if it's your electric bill. It doesn't matter if it's your groceries. I, I, I see over there, there's a new cat stand you just bought for your cats to climb on. Um, So the other room in your condo we were at, you bought the new, what do you call that? I call it the globe around the world cat box, the litter box, where the thing spins automatically and refreshes. The cat litter every, like, six yeah. minutes or shout something? out!
0: shout out to Chris Noggle. Yeah. Noggle turned me on to his iRobot litter box, and so I got one for myself. I only picked up one. I have two cats, but I only picked up one just to see if they like it first, because it is kind of expensive, and in it, it will uh, scoop the litter out, it will clean it, and it'll keep, it'll keep the area smelling nice and fresh. So I'll let you know how that goes.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the point is, is that is not necessarily... Um, a debt, a third-party debt, but it's an expense, right? You put gas in your car, Mm -hmm. uh, you have to eat, you put food in your belly. So the thing you're doing with money right now is you send that money out. You send that money out, it comes into you All that money comes into you in the form of active income, passive income, investment income. It could be a check in the mail you get from grandma for your birthday. That money comes into you and what do you do with it? You go put it in the bank, the Bank of Daytona Beach, Florida, right? Mm -hmm. You go put it in the conventional bank. You pay everybody else first and you hope there's money left over for you. You just got to add one step. Add one simple step in your financial life. You're going to put that money in your own banking system first, i.e. the policy, and now we're going to use that money to pay for the debts and expenses. So just don't think of this as third-party debt. Think of it as everything you're doing in your financial life. And I stated earlier, and I'll state it again, and I state it often, go back to what Nelson Nash says in his book on page 48 of Becoming Your Own Banker, the fifth edition. The very first sentence, it always sounds a bit strange when I say premium and income should equal. Premium and income should equal. Every dollar that runs through your hands should run through your own banking system. Because if you don't run it through your own banking system, what happens? You put it in somebody else's banking system and the bankers are going to make a great living off of the money you leave there. Well, why let them do that? Why let them make a great living off of your money when You, you want when you could be the banker in your own life? Yeah. So what I do now, mm-hmm. and, and again, I continue to use my policies for debts and expenses and to buy the cat litter box or the cat's tree stand or podcast equipment or a big screen TV, a chandelier, a piano, whatever it is, right? I continue to use the policy dollars for all of those things I'm doing in life anyway, for travel, you know? So mom and I are going to New Zealand next month and we're, we're traveling. So we have to buy airfare, you know?
0: And and remember I said,
1: mom doesn't like to ride in the back of the plane anymore. And when you go to New Zealand in the, and the front of the plane, it costs you a hell of a lot more than it does in the back of the plane. Right. So it, so all of that stuff that we do in our normal life, but now, the thing that you're doing is you want to make those dollars work over and over and over and over again. And what can you do to make those dollars work over and over again? Well, that's where you can get into investing or lending, you know? Now, look, a lot of people, they love doing stocks and bonds. They love buying gold and silver. Like they Papa. Like They like doing cryptocurrency, you know? Yeah. All is good, nothing is wrong with that. That stuff is not for me. I'm not putting any money in a qualified plan. I'm not gonna go out and buy any stocks and bonds. I don't have any of that in my portfolio. But what I will do is I'll go out and make investments that are sensible. And sensible investments, a lot of time, are real estate investments. Okay. And not every real estate investment is sensible. But more importantly, what I like doing is I like lending money. I like lending the money or to- Or being the bank. Being the bank. So I, I want the paper. Now it's just not the paper. So in other words, I'm not gonna allow anybody to come to me and say, Brent, I wanna borrow money from you and say, oh, okay, um, all right, Tom, Joe, Fred, Barry, um, Janet, you're great people. And I'll just lend you money because I know and you look nice and all of that. No, 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 no. I don't do it like that. What is the collateral that you have to back the loan that I'm about to give you? Mm -hmm. Because I want to always expect the worst, but I want to hope for the best. And in order to expect the worst, what you have to do is you have to dial in and you say, okay, this person wants to borrow this amount of money. So what is the worst possible thing that can happen? Well the worst possible thing that's going to happen is they're not going to pay you. Yeah. You're going to lend them the money and they're not going to pay you, right? Well, yeah, so let's eliminate that. How do we eliminate that? We get collateral and what they on on the item that they want to borrow on. Or even if it's not the item they want to borrow on, we have some kind of collateral. Like I'll tell you, uh, okay, so okay, so so like the typical way to do it would be if a person wants to buy a piece of real estate, and I'll just give you an example. Um, so back about six, seven, eight months ago, a guy came to me and wanted to borrow one million dollars for a one point five million dollar purchase price on a piece of real estate that was appraised at one point seven. So in other words, he was coming to the table with five hundred grand, and he needed a million dollars. So that's a pretty good thing for me, right? As long as the terms are good. Because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to loan somebody a million dollars and I'm in first position of a $1.5 million piece of property. Now, could the property go down... Absolutely, it could. But is it likely to go down from $1.5 to $1 Probably not. Not in the next week, month, year, two, three years, most likely. And even if it does, he's made payments for that month or that year, three years or five years, right? He's been making interest-only payments at the minimum, or if not, interest payments and principal payments as well. Mm -hmm. So I am in first position. Now, I'm not saying you always have to be in first position, but for me, I'm always going to be in first position because I'm of the mindset, if I'm not first, I'm last. Isn't there like a race car driver out there? His name is Ricky Bobby or something with that kind of terminology. If you're not first, you're last. So I want to be in first position. I don't want second position loans. I'm not saying they're not, okay, a good or bad. I'm not saying that at all. And normally the thing is, is that if a person wants to get into a second position alone, you could actually earn more interest on a second position alone than you can a first. Yeah. But I'm okay with not earning that extra interest. I'm also of the mindset that pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. I just want to be a pig in life. I don't need to be a hog. Yeah. I just want to get fat. I'm not, I don't want to get slaughtered, right? Mm-hmm. So... I just don't like second position loans. So, all the lending that I do is first position. So, I, I take all the emotional baggage out of it and I say, let's look at the deal. What is the deal? So, this particular deal I'm telling you about, a $1 million loan on a piece of property that's valued at $1.5 million and is appraised at $1.7. Okay. Pretty good deal, right? So, Here's what even made that deal more sweeter. This is going to be their, or it is, this is their primary residence for him and his family, meaning him, his wife, and his daughter. So whenever you're lending uh, for a primary residence, I like that even better. Because if they don't make the payments, not only is it going to be painful just to give up the property. Because if it's an investment property, it may not be as painful. It's going to be painful. Not as
0: emotional. But it's not going
1: to be as emotional when you have to move your spouse and your children out of the house because your ass is getting foreclosed on, right? And I've even told my children in the past, I said, I love you and I'll help you out and I'll loan you money, but I'm going to be in first position of the loan. And if you don't make the loan payments." even though you're my children, I really don't care if you have to live underneath a bridge. You know, it's a business deal. I do care if they have to live underneath a bridge and I'll probably help them outside of that in another way, but not on the business deal. The business deal is the business deal. So take all the emotional baggage, all the family baggage out of it. And just like, it's the same thing with my children. When I've loaned them money in the past, they, they have collateral attached to those loans. And if they don't pay, they have to pay a late charge. If they don't pay, they, they will be foreclosed on. Now, I've never, ever, ever had to foreclose on a loan. And partly the reason of that is because I've never put myself... Hang on, I'll take that back. I've never put myself in a first position loan to where... It didn't work out because I was in first position I have some second position crap out there that is kind of in receivership right now or it's not being paid and that's why I don't like second position right so I want the collateral another example was um, a guy needed to borrow money but he really didn't have collateral in his house but the thing that he had is he had about $60,000 worth of gold and silver, right? And he had this thing loaded up in safe deposit boxes, right? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 I'm sorry. He had he had it all. He had it all in his own safe in his house. And I said and he says, "Okay, well, here's the collateral. I have all this." I said, "Great, but that gold and silver is not going to stay with you." It's going to come over to me. I'm going to take possession of the gold and silver because if you don't pay, I'm going to own the gold and silver. So he's like, well, that's a lot of gold and silver to move. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, if you want the loan, we're going to move the gold and silver. And I said, not only are we going to move the gold and silver, you're actually going to pay for the the place where we're going to store the gold and silver because there's rent to pay just for that. Now, in- in this particular case it was a safe deposit box now i don't like going to a bank and putting stuff in safe deposit boxes either for a whole nother reason but lots of gold lots of silver you know it was stored in this case in a safe deposit box where i was the only one that had the key so once you pay back the loan you get your gold and silver back right so that's just to give you an example so i So anyway, I guess the thing that I'm saying here is, is that any loan that you do, you want to be in first position and you want to have the collateral or the equity because you want to expect the best or, right? Expect the best, but you got to think of the worst case scenario because I'll Mm -hmm. just say this. I've got a few second position loans out there that have not been paid back to me. They have not been paid back. These people still owe me money. And the thing that's disappointing about that too, is a couple of these people, I think I have three out there, maybe four. Two two or three of these people, I basically had a really good relationship with them from a personal standpoint before I lent them money. And once I lent them money, and they didn't pay back, and now they're in this this kind of like, it's almost like a debt collection mode where I've now become a debt collector. How do you think that relationship is going?
0: South it's it. crap. It's there. went
1: sour. I'm the bad guy now.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you know, why are you asking me? Why are you hounding me? Actually, there was one guy that even said, why are you harassing me for the money? Well, because you fucking, don't. oh. oh. Because that's okay. You, that's okay. Because you owe the money. <laughs> yeah. You owe me the money.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, hey brother, I love you and everything, but I mean, you owe me the money. Why am I harassing you? Because I want you to do what you agreed. You made agreed. a, promise you to made me. a pro- not only did you make a promise, you made a promissory note that was signed and notarized. Yeah. Now here was my mistake. My mistake was I was in second position. And I didn't secure the loan as much as I should have secured the loan. So I'm going to end up getting the short end of the stick unless they decide to pay. um, Or I decide to go file a lawsuit, get a judgment and all of that. But then you got to go through the whole court battle. So I've learned my lesson from that. And now I only do. I, I just only do first. Position loan. Does it ever mean I'll never do a second position loan again? No, but probably not. You're going to have to really show me something to be in second position to where I'm going to want to do it. Yeah. So, but, but yeah. So, anyway, the whole idea of this is I take money from the policy. I put my policy up for collateral, take a loan from the general fund of the insurance company. Let's just pay, okay. So anyway, let's just say I pay 6% for that policy loan. Mm -hmm. Do I really care if I'm paying 6% simple interest from that policy loan when I can go and take that money and get 10, 12, 14, 16%? I could care less. Some people say, well, Brent, you have like millions of dollars in policy loans that you owe the insurance company six percent interest on. Yeah. That's right. I understand. For every million dollars I have loaned out, I have to pay the insurance company sixty thousand dollars a year yeah. annually to keep that money.
0: But well, who cares?
1: But if I'm if but if I'm earning it or if I'm paying six and earning twelve, that means if I pay the insurance company 6% or $60,000 for a million bucks and I've got that in a 12% loan, that means I got $120,000 coming in. So I happen. will be more than happy to pay 60000 all day long to have 120000 coming in or whatever that number is above and beyond 60.
0: Yeah.
1: Because here's also the cool thing about it is is that million dollars that's loaned out in this example that I'm going over, that million dollars never ever came out of my policy. Yep. So not only am I earning the spread between the 12% that I'm earning and the 6% that I'm paying, right? I'm just using those for examples. Not only am I earning the spread, the million dollars is where?
0: Still inside the policy. Still inside
1: of the policy. And what is it doing?
0: Growing that uninterrupted, guaranteed compounding tax-free.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So now you're earning money over and over again. And if you really want some good content on this, I don't know if I can plug anybody else. Absolutely. So Devin Burr. Mm Mm-hmm. He's on Instagram, TikTok. He has like, how many followers does he have?
0: He's got close to
1: a million. Close to a million followers. And Devin is a real estate investor. His name is Devin Burr, B-U-R-R. But on his TikTok and Instagram- His
0: handle, it's Mr. Underscore Burr, B-R-R-R.
1: Okay. So Devin has lots of content out there where he shows you how he uses the policies- to buy all of his real estate because he's a real estate investor. He lives out in Arizona and he's a real estate investor and he uses that money over and over and over again. Yeah. If we're doing plugs, let's just plug Chris Noggle yeah. and the private money club. Yep. Chris Noggle has the private money club it is what's it called private Yep. So, and I'm into a couple of those deals in the private money club, right? Mm-hmm. These are people that need money. It's kind of like a dating service for borrowers and lenders. A borrower needs a lender. A lender needs a borrower. It's kind of like a dating service, right? Um, so basically, the thing that you do is is that you find people that need money and you pair them with people that have money, Yeah. So a lot of those deals out there, they're first position and second position, but go to the Private Money Club and find a deal that just resonates with you. Mm-hmm. And interview that borrower or lender and see if it resonates with you. So there's a lot of good deals out there on the privatemoneyclub.com, but even Chris you know, with the with the lending that he does, he does the same thing. Hey, let's put the money in the policy first. And I believe that's what Noggle teaches people in the private money club. Say, hey, yes. look, here's what you want to do, guys. Let's put the money in the policy first and then go out and lend or borrow or wherever it is that you're in that equation. And let's run the money through the policy first. A lot of people think this whole policy thing is complicated. Well, it's not at all. It's yeah. not. Don't trip over the dollars to pick up the pennies. Don't let the nickel hide the dime, right? Don't overcomplicate this stuff. It's not complicated. All we're doing is adding one step in our financial life. And that step that we're adding in our financial life is we're just going through one step, one added step. We're not changing anything. We're not going to change your cash flow. We're not going to make you work any harder, right? Um, We're not going to make you lose control of your money. We're just adding one simple step. And that one simple step we're adding is where the money goes first. And the money goes first into the policy. And then from the policy, now you're going to use that money to do everything you're doing in life.
0: Exactly. Now, you did bring up a good point about, um, you know, the policy grows tax-free. And that's why one of the benefits of why we like to keep our money in the policy, because the whole idea is, Pay tax on the money one time one time only at the lowest rate possible and then get that money into a tax-free environment where now it's gonna grow tax-free for us and so a question I sometimes get a lot is um, from my investors hey if I'm gonna be using this policy cash to go and make my investments I understand that when I take out those loans they are tax-free to me and And and, because you're never taxed on a loan anyways, even in normal, traditional sense. But when that policy loan comes to me and then I go place it into an investment deal, now I am making the money work. I'm making some spread and arbitrage on the money. So I do have to pay tax on that gains that I'm making on my investments. So I don't know if you want to get into it. We really don't have to if you don't want to. But but are there ways that you could minimize some of those taxes that you are putting that investment money to work in?
1: Yeah, well, a couple things on that is the thing you're doing is, okay, anytime you pay policy premium, it's with after-tax dollars, okay? So, and anyway, there'll be some of the naysayers out there that say, well, if I put my money in a 401k, I don't have to pay tax on the money. Well, that's not true. You gotta pay tax on the money, you just gotta pay tax on the money right now. So essentially all you're doing is kicking the can down the road. Because yeah. the tax is always gonna be there on the money. And the questions we like to ask is a dollar worth more today in the future. Today. It's always worth more today because think about how many candy bars you could buy 25 years ago for a dollar, how many you can buy today. Are taxes gonna go up or go down? Well, they're gonna go up, that's the history. And even if they don't go up, we're taxed on more crap all the time. And question number three, do you wanna pay tax on the seed or the harvest? The small amount or the large amount? Well, you wanna pay tax on the small amount the seed. Well, you're violating all three of those answers by putting your money in a 401k IRA or qualified plan. Because what you're doing is you're giving up good dollars today, you're giving up your good dollars today to get paid back with non-guaranteed weaker dollars in the future. Because any money that you put in a 401k and IRA or qualified plan is not guaranteed. Correct. We talk to people every week or every month at least that have taken a bloodbath in their 401ks, IRAs, qualified plans, yeah. right? Yeah. Now, so the quick, simple answer is, is any time that you put money into the policy, you take out a policy loan, You pay interest to the insurance company on that policy loan, right? Well, an interest expense could be a deduction. I don't know your situation. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm not a CPA. So go check with your accountant. But if you go out and you make a business purchase, like um, I'll give you an example. I was a chiropractor, right? Right. So if I go buy x-ray film or, or, uh, uh, or if I buy an x-ray machine or if I buy equipment for therapy rehab modalities... Those are business expenses. And if I borrow money from the chiropractic supply company to make those purchases and I pay interest for those, I deduct that. I deduct that interest. So if you're using your money for a business purpose, should you be able to deduct your interest? Well, I would hope you could. And if your CPA or accountant or tax advisor says you can I might start searching for another CPA, accountant or tax advisor, right? But... The gains that come into you, the gains that come into you, uh, that profit or, for example, interest. When I lend money out and I have interest that comes back to me, that money is coming back to me as a profit or interest. So that money becomes taxable. I mean, that is a taxable. Just like if you buy a piece of real estate for $100,000 and you put in $10,000 into the property and you sell it for $120,000. Well, you bought the, the cost basis was 100000 hundred. You have ten thousand dollars of expenses, so that now you got one ten in it, and you sold it for one twenty. So that ten thousand in profit, the difference between one ten and one twenty, is a taxable gain, right? So I would just leave it at that, and that's what I would do. Now there are some other strategies that you could look into um, that involve tax savings. But again, I'm not an accountant. I'm not a CPA. But there's other tax strategies um, such as um, a trust and a foundation type structure that you could look into to see of different ideas that you can have, which would relate a lot of those profits and income coming into you and it could be tied to charity that you could donate money to charities of your choice which is a great thing i mean we donated um uh, like i'm sitting here talking to you in december in in january right now we're doing this at the end of january just last month in december is when we do a lot of our charitable donations Mm -hmm. um because of because of what we're able to do you're able to help more people, you know. I mean, we donated several hundreds of thousands of dollars this year to different organizations. Um, just to give you a couple examples, is um, you know, our our uh, our um, our a charitable organization donated to the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Why did I pick that one? Well because my brother that's seven years younger than me has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, I donated to the, um, to, um, dog charity to, yeah, just to like dog charities, um, for, to help with dogs and service dogs Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, We have somebody on our team that is is very big into um, underprivileged children and they kind of need a dad or they don't have a dad in their life or that father role model. So we donated to a a charity called the Good Dads um, Society. We donated to some homeless or um, abusive type relationships. The Maui, Hawaii, the Maui, Hawaii, um, I, I think it was a hurricane. Was that the Hurricane Relief Fund? Was it a hurricane or a tsunami? I can't remember. It, But but the stuff that happened last year in Maui. Um, oh, 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 no, no, no. No, I'm sorry. The fires. The fires. I've donated to like, in the past, years ago, I donated to Hurricane Katrina Relief. Remember when hurricane, years and years and years ago when Hurricane Katrina, Katrina came through New Orleans. That's why I had a hurricane on my mind. But the Maui fire relief, all those fires in Maui, that was just devastating, right? So we donated to that. So, um, anyway, that's a good thing about having maybe uh, a trust and foundation type structure. But in order to do that and put that in place, you need to get with a professional. That is an expert in that, you know, somebody like an attorney that will set up these specific trusts and foundations for you, um, you know, or somebody qualified as CPA, somebody in that arena. I mean, and if you think about it, so the way that I learned about this whole trust and foundation structure is if you go out and you listen to things like, um, as far as Gates, you had right, right? so like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Bill and Hillary Clinton uh, Foundation, you know, different foundations, even like, um, like, as far as people like Warren Buffett have these things as well, you know, or Jeff Bezos, I believe. So i just kind of learned this because I'm always kind of wondering, or I'm always exploring what do the wealthy do? what tools do the wealthy use that we all have access to but it's not necessarily taught to us as being not the super wealthy like a bill gates or a jeff bezos or you know a mark zuckerberg and stuff and um so i so i really became interested in the charity and being able to give and um you know to be able to do that but Again, that's kind of beyond the scope of this, but there are other avenues out there, how you know to
0: save on taxes.
1: They can help you save. And and again, it's not really that you're saving on tax. Yes, you are saving on how taxes. To minimize it. It's how to how to reduce your taxes, but at the same time, you're giving to charity, right? So if you give to charity, what you're essentially doing is you're deciding how maybe those dollars are going to be spent or funded to these organizations, similar to what I all the ones I just mentioned, instead of the government deciding where that money is going to go. But however, talk to your professional, your your accountant, your CPA, your financial professional, your attorney. Um, it's about putting yourself in the best structure to help as many people as you can and does it well can it help to lower and minimize your tax it can minimize your tax but you never if there's anybody out there that says that there's there's something in place hey we got something we can show you and it will eliminate every single tax you pay i would run 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 away from that you know if it's too good to be true it probably is. Does it make sense? Does the whole picture um, make sense? But but yeah, I think that's what you're asking about that and being able um, to help out with taxes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I know you are also too, you are liquidating a lot of even like your real estate that you have right now. Yep. And you are really moving towards the lending side. Um, and especially right now in 2024, I mean, are you thinking that, Mm-hmm. All of your rentals, you're thinking about selling all of them off and just keeping like the family homes,
1: yeah. Um, well, again, so the family homes is you know, we, we have a couple different locations that we go to. We have our primary residence and really a secondary residence, and then and then so there's another residence we kind of go through, but it's also like a rental as well an Airbnb, a VRBO. And then we have a couple other, you know, properties that are rental properties that we rent more on a long-term basis. And then we have another uh, couple or one or two VRBOs, Airbnb type things, right? Too. Those are businesses, right? Those are those are businesses where we have a property manager, they run them. And obviously, if we want to go there and use them, we'll go there and use them and block off the dates, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah. I think what you're asking is, you know, do we want to get out of the real estate? And absolutely. I don't want to be a property manager anymore. I, I honestly, I really don't want to own any VRBOs, Airbnb. So we're selling right now all, but one of those right now, um, are for sale because I would rather do lending. Yeah. I would rather do lending than have the hassle of owning the real estate because look, I know what a lot of you are thinking. Some people
0: like it, though. Yeah,
1: some people like it. But the thing you might be thinking is, well, if you have a property manager, what is the hassle? Well, let me just tell you, the property manager is also a hassle. So my oldest son, so Hannah's half-brother, is a property manager. Him and his wife, they manage properties that we own and this is my older son, and he's a pain in the ass, Mm -hmm. right? So you got to manage him. You got to manage your property manager. And that's what I want to get out of. I just don't want to manage the property itself. But then sometimes you got to manage the property manager. I, I got a text message earlier from another property. The property manager said, hey, we got this going on, this going on, this going on. So like, tell me what you want to do. You want to do A, B, or C. What are your choices? I really don't want to be in the position to make that choice. Yeah. I really want you to make the choice. I respect that you're calling me and asking me, but it's just one more thing on my plate that we have to worry about. Yeah. The lending, there's no worry. There's no worry. Because you know what? The lending, the money shows up between a certain day and a certain day of the month. And it's usually between the 1st and the 7th of every month you're going to get that interest payment. And if it's principal and interest, great. But at least the interest payment because that's the way that it reads. So that's going to just show up in your bank account and there's nothing to manage other than how many payments are left on your payment or how long is that note into effect before it comes and the balloon is due or we have to refinance it or we're totally out of the picture and you pay it off and you go refinance it with somebody else, like a conventional bank or or, or so. So the lending is so much more peaceful and a lot less headache yeah. than having to worry about is your toilet leaking. Yeah. And when I say worry about your toilet leaking, I know you're thinking I'm just using that as a as an analogy, but no, my wife and I went through a nightmare with a leaky toilet toilet in a condo that we owned. I mean, it was a nightmare to where attorneys got involved because the toilet leak ran from the condo above to the condo below. Yeah. And it was a nightmare. And that thing cost me more money than it would have cost me had we not had a leaky toilet leak. And all it was, all it was, was the guts inside of the toilet just did not work when we came back to the location and turned the water on. So I'm not mechanical at all, but the water was continuously running and it was at a slow, slow leak out of the bottom of the toilet and there's a unit below this unit and it leaked and 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 uh, us and the unit below are not full-time residents. So when the other people came, to their condo and they looked up at the ceiling and they're like, you know, cause it's the same floor plan and there's this, and there's this big gushy mess on the ceiling. Was that called drywall up there? I don't know what the yeah, hell that's called. Like that. The ceiling stuff and it comes crashing in and it was just game over after that. So it was kind of a nightmare situation and
0: HOAs
1: where and- H Oh yeah. HOAs. If you ever have an HOA which you have an HOA here we have an HOA where we live but oh my gosh if you could stay away from an HOA that would be great but sometimes HOAs Mm -hmm. are beneficial right because especially if you're not there a lot and the maintenance and
0: In my opinion, it's the leaders in the Oregon, like the top dogs who are running. No,
1: I I don't know. You know, they're all, I mean, again, those people can change interchangeably, you know, the president's in for two years and someone else comes. It's all in, in the bylaws of the HOA, but you know, I'm not saying don't have an HOA. I, I have an HOA where I live. You have an HOA at this condo here. You're on the 23rd floor, the penthouse version of this condo and there's, you know, I don't know how many units are here. Do you even know? No, I don't. Twenty three, twenty three floors and five units a floor, probably at least. Maybe seven. Five. Maybe seven at yeah. four, but I mean, you know, how many is that? So, yeah, there has to be some kind of law and order, and there has to be some kind of conforming organization, organization or 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 like everybody would have, you know you They're know, trash out like or whatever blue and pink banners out or you know gray and black banners or you know it'd be it'd be crazy so you got to have that kind of conformity of some sort i guess um unless you live you know where like for example so, so like jesse and our team he lives in he was in a town called trian north carolina and you know, I remember going to his house one time and it was so far out in the boonies that I had to stop on the side of the road and pee twice before I got to his house because <laughs> there was nothing out there. Oh. He drove for miles and miles and miles before you got to his house. So there's no HOA out there. But man, if you need a a, 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 a quarter cup of sugar, you know, you better be prepared for that hour drive yeah, to not, get it. Not straight up. Yeah.
0: All right, well, and then I guess my last and final question is: is that, you know, some people will ask, well, how do I get started in all of this? Are there, do you have resources of like either attorneys or, um, I know we kind of talked about even like the private money club or like the relationships that you have with people of how you find these good deals. Is there something that you could leave with the community if they want to get into lending Mm -hmm. or investing where they should go?
1: Yeah. Well, here's what I would say, you know, um, just so, like, if this is something you're interested in, you know, it, it, as far as a policy or the stuff that I'm doing or other people in our community are doing, just all you got to do is if you just drop me an email, Brent at the or Hannah, Hannah at the Hannah spelt the same way forward as backwards, right? H A N N A H. Um, anyway, drop us an email, tell us what you're interested in and what you're looking at and I'm an open book, I will share with you everything that I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you what I'm doing. And I'll tell you why I'm doing it, which, you know, we covered some of that today. And if there's something that I'm not doing, like if you call me up and say, well, Brent, you know, this cryptocurrency stuff, I'm really interested in that. Well, do you think it's a good idea? And I'm going to tell you, I don't think it's a good idea. Personally, I, I, I don't like it, but I don't know enough about it. So I can't really tell you if it's good or bad. See, I like the way I like low risk stuff. I like ro, low risk uh, things that I'm looking at. So do I want to do any crypto? Do I want to do any gold? Do I want to go buy gold and silver? No, no not really. Do I want to do qualified plans? No. Do I want to do stocks and bonds? No. So I'll just tell you, I don't do that and I'll give you my reasons why I don't do it. And not that it's wrong, but the stuff that I do do, I'll tell you who I do it with, who I don't do it with, and the reasons for... Your decision. Okay, of my decision. I'll give you the reasons based on my experience. And I'll always tell you what I am doing and what I am not doing, right? So if you come to me and say, hey, Brett, I know of this opportunity to lend money. Would you lend money? And I'll take a look at it for you and I'll give you my opinion. And and, and and again, a lot of the stuff that I've discovered in my life have come from people like you that have brought me the people that you've introduced them to me like kind of on accident because you've asked me about, oh, how about this guy, Rob? Do you like Rob? And I didn't know Rob, but after I learned more about Rob, I love Rob. Mm-hmm. I love Rob. So now I want to do some stuff with Rob too. I'm like, hey, don't take it all for yourself. Let me have some of this stuff that Rob's doing, right? So a lot of that stuff I learned from you by bringing it to me, yeah? Um, But everything we do, I think now, I, I can't say that in the beginning, but everything we do is we vet pretty well. We try to vet them out, and I will never, ever, ever turn you on to somebody that I haven't already went through and I've I've got referrals from or I've vetted. Now, with that being said, there are people that have came to me that I'm doing stuff with that somebody else has vetted and I've done some stuff and then I find out later that, oh, that wasn't maybe the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I can never guarantee it any kind blurred. of outcomes, but we're learning. We're constantly learning and I would much rather work with someone that I have a... Um, a a a, what i call a high third party referral or reference from and actually hannah both of us were talking online before we started this today when i came over to your condo because you are in this condo now and you have your other house you need to sell now that you moved over here four days ago Mm -hmm. you have your other house to sell so my question was hannah how are you going to sell that house who are you going to use to list the house with and i think I think right now, both of us have a little bit of a disagreement because I'm telling you to use this person, this person, and this person. And the reason I'm telling you to use these people is because I've either, either dealt with them myself or I've, I know people that have dealt with them. So this is why I want you to use these people to list your old condo, but it's your condo, it's your choice, you're a grown woman, and the thing that you're telling me is you're saying, well, dad, I'm thinking of using this person or this person, And I'm asking you why. And the reasons you're giving me are not to my satisfaction because it's more of an emotional thing because you're like, oh, well, they were nice and they showed me some houses I didn't buy. I don't think that's a good reason. So Mm -hmm. after we end the podcast today, we're going to continue that discussion. But I don't want you to necessarily use somebody based on it feels good and it's emotional. I want you to use somebody based on this is what they've done for us our family myself or people that i know in the past so it's coming as a <clears throat> as a third party referral or a third party reference now yeah. at the end of the day you're a big girl and you're going to make your own decision whether i agree with it or not and you'll find out if it works out or if it doesn't yeah. you know but those are my reasons so i so i tend to at age 56 years old now I tend to go on a lot of high third-party trust where I don't go on emotions. And at age 24, I I wasn't near doing what... At 24, I was not doing what you were doing at age 24, which was 32 years ago. I was Mm -hmm. not in your situation at all. You're way better off at 24 than I was at 24. But I, but I, I still get it. You still sometimes... Let that emotional stuff come in because you want to, you want to make some people because, because, because it's like, oh, will you help me kind of, you showed me this house or condo that I didn't buy. But so now I feel like I owe it to you. Well, you don't really owe it to them. It's their job because not everybody you show a house or a condo to is going to buy. Yeah. But so that's where you and I sometimes get into a little disagreement, and it's father daughter stuff too.
0: Mpsa too. I am selling my house over here in Daytona Beach, Florida. So holler at me if you're looking to move into a Daytona Beach house, two bed, two bath. Send me an email, Hannah <laughs> at I'll let you know.
1: Yeah, no, it's a very nice place. So, but now you just kind of upgraded. You know, it's kind of like the Jeffersons moving on up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, well thanks Ed. No, thanks for being on. And, and I would, I would go check out Chris Noggle, go to his YouTube. Noggle is spelled N-A-U-G-L-E. Some of y'all are very familiar with Chris. But um, I mean, even so to this day, any investments that I go buy, I mean, sometimes I run them through Chris. There was actually a land deal that somebody came to me. I I met this gentleman when I was speaking at an event in Denver, Colorado. Uh, It was to a group of Keller Williams agents. And and I said, hey, Chris, look, look at this deal. Is this a good deal that I should do? And he says, you know what? It just seems too good to be true. I probably wouldn't do anything with that deal. And so I really trust Chris's decision and his expertise because He's been in that world for such a long, long time.
1: Yeah. And also, Devin Burr, you know, you check Mm -hmm. out Devin as well. And then, um, obviously, with your podcast, you do a podcast every week. Yeah. You've got, what, about 100 episodes now? Are you at 100? Or what episode are you at now? Uh, You know? Close to it. Close to 100. You're you're right at 100. Yep. And, um, of course, the content that's on our website, themoneymultiplier.com www.thethemoneymultiplier.com. And how many videos do we have on there? 70, 70 plus, plus videos. Yeah. And then, um, so yeah, the, those videos. And then obviously if there's other additional resources that you want, you know, I would email Hannah and say, Hannah, send me your resources. And there's this, this like, let's see, how do I call it? Is it, is it a generic or a template? It's yeah. a template type email that you just have all these resources in that is really good. Like for example, a lot of people will say, well, Hey Brent, I was talking to someone about, um, a policy and they said I need to stay away from that whole life policy. I need to do that thing called an IUL. Well, no, no, no. You don't want to use an IUL for infinite banking. Okay. Never, 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 ever use an IUL for infinite banking. So, but, I know I tell you that and you hear me telling you that, but you're saying, okay, well, why? Well, obviously I'm not going to sit here for another two hours and talk to you about an IUL, but Hannah and even Chris to some degree, right? Or You guys have already created videos on on the difference of why whole life and not IUL. So almost every single question that you out there have We've created a video for it. We do. Somebody on our team has created a video. Because how do you think our videos get created? Because you have a question. And if you have a question, you're not the only one that has it. Somebody else has it. So the thing I do is I go back to these guys and I say, Chris, Hannah, create a video for this. Do a podcast on this. Create something to answer the question. So every question that comes in, almost, right, we eventually... Create a video to answer that question. We do. We do. So, hopefully, you're going to send us some new questions that we don't have videos on. So, it'll keep Hannah and Chris and the rest of the team busy creating videos.
0: And you can even join like the weekly live webinars. Oh, yeah. Send send me an email too. I'll I'll get you linked into those live webinars. We do about at minimum three a week at maximum anywhere from five to six but uh, there's even one on Wednesdays called the ask me anything and uh, we go live every single week 4 30 p.m. Eastern Time and uh, we it's on YouTube we stream it live to our Facebook group Um, also there's a Facebook group I mean over 6,000 plus members and they just bounce ideas of how they're using their policies or different questions that they have but come and just join those ask me anything webinars even if you don't have a question I think it's important or good that you're there because some people will ask a question that maybe you didn't think of and you're like hey well actually that's a pretty good question I want to know the answer to that So just join the community. What what Dad always says is get around the campfire, drink the Kool-Aid, and really start absorbing the information. And sometimes I know it can kind of feel like a fire hose when you're around this stuff and first learning, but keep at it. I mean, that's how you get better and better is by practicing and really soaking in the information and just elevating every single day and every week. I mean, dad, I can't tell you how many people call me up and and they said, oh, Hannah, I was just listening to your videos. I fell asleep to your videos last night. And people just listen to it in their subconscious mind as they're sleeping too, which I think is pretty cool. And
1: more and more and more people call all the time. I mean, our call, like just our log increases every single week because more and more people, because they hear us out there. And I would also encourage you on our website is go out there to our...
0: Speaking of...
1: To our event page.
0: Speaking of, someone's calling now. Right.
1: (laughs) So um, anyway, go out to our event page and see where we're speaking around the country at live events. Um, Okay, not just Zoom and virtual, but all the live events. Like after we're done here, you and I are going to talk a little bit about some live events we have coming up, we're coming up in February. We got one in San Diego. We got one in Gilbert, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Langhorne, Pennsylvania is coming up. You know, I mean, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, um, I think Chicago, Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee. I mean, we have all of these different live events and then we have virtual Zoom events. And then for and then I would also say I'm going to put a plug out too for those of you that are into real estate, that are really into the real estate world. We do a lot of stuff with people that are real estate, invest, real estate investors. Um, I want to plug Isabel. Isabel is out there with RAL, which RAL stands for Residential Assisted Living. Isabel, her dad was Gene. Gene Guanario, I can never say his last name right. Gene Guinario, and the daughter is Isabel. Well, Jean passed away, I think, in 2020 or 2021, okay, through COVID. Um, and Isabel runs the show now, R-A-L. Great group of people. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic organization, fantastic people. And also Pace Morby. So if you're not following Pace Morby, or if you've never heard of Pace Morby, um, Pace Morby in the real estate world, go follow Pace Morby. We speak um, about every six weeks, Pace has webinars. And actually, Hannah has really taken over the Pace Morby platform whenever we're talking about the infinite banking concept. If you call Pace Morby up and say, Pace, I'm thinking about getting one of these policies and Pace will say, hey, I have one. Who do we use it with? Go with the money multiplier. Hannah's my gal. You know, um, about every six, four to six to eight weeks, Pace Morby will have, um, so now Hannah come on and and speak to the community, the Pace Morby community, the sub two, the Gator community. You Pace Morby people know that, um, but on the infinite banking concept. But, but also Pace Morby is golden, um, you know. And again, I'm not out. Again, I'm not sitting here saying, "Hey, go watch us on Pace Morby." That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying these are people that are, are good people. That if you're in that the real estate world, that know their stuff. So if you're looking to be a real estate investor, or if you're looking to do these assisted living facilities, go to Isabel with RAL. If you're looking for that whole real estate community. Um, go to Pace Morby and see what Pace Morby has to offer you, right? Note,
0: so, Page Panzerillo, Cashflow yeah. Chick.
1: Um, yeah, cashflowchick.com or also Noteworthy, Aaron Halderman and Ben Fredericks yep. um, would be good. So if you're into note investing as well, um, I mean, again, right? So like, I don't want to leave people out, but there's lots of those relationships that I have built over the years and you've come into over the last five or six years, you've been working here with us since you were what, I think you started when you were 17, 18? Yeah, 17. And you're 24, so seven years now, right? So there's these relationships that we have. And we can also tell you too, if you're thinking about somebody and we've worked with them, we might say, "Uh, yeah, we went down that road, stay away from these people. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) So on the flip side, we have those two of the people to maybe stay away from because of our experience or because of our members experience or people that we know in their experience. Because the last thing that we want is us to recommend or refer somebody that does not pan out for you. So we vet those people and probably most importantly, and I've said it a few times, is the stuff that I tell you to do or that I suggest to do is stuff that I'm doing in my own life. I would never ever think about saying, go do this and I'm not doing it myself. Yeah. So it's the good and the bad, the stuff that I've done that didn't work out and the stuff that I do that is good. We're going to be and on it. We are an open book. We have nothing We have nothing to hide. We want to share with you our experiences. And part of the reason that I want that so bad in our community is because back when I was your age, I wanted somebody to tell me what the wealthy were doing. And you can't, it's people, the wealthy are not sitting down with you at your table or on the phone or on a Zoom or a podcast and telling you what they were doing. It's just not happening. They don't do it they they don't do it they don't tell you this they don't share it with you yeah. so yeah okay
0: Hey, hey, and last and final thing before we go, because I know this may be a question before I hop off too, but, um, you know, Dad, just real quick, back to the policies and you using it for your lending. When you take that money, you're going out and investing it, and sometimes people will say, well, hey, how do I pay back my loans? Am I even paying back my policy loans? And just high level, real quick, and we can always have a one-on-one conversation about this, but really, Dad, you're not paying back your policy loans sometimes. Yeah, Because what you're doing is you're always having that money out there in constant motion. And kind of like previously, what you said is, well, who cares if the company is charging me 6% because I'm out here, let's just say it's 12% and I'm making that interest in the spread on the money. But if I have money, let's say an investment gets paid out or I sell something, I come into a windfall, this is sometimes why we like to have those open. Policy loans because actually, David Stearns, Nelson's son in law, I remember him saying this at one of the Nelson Nash think tanks: it is have a place to warehouse your windfalls. And if you don't have that money out there and a use for it-nothing to buy, a purchase, an expense, or an investment-it is totally, totally okay to pay back those policy loans and just have a safe place to warehouse and keep that money. So, I just want to end this session off by saying don't be afraid to pay back your policy loans if you have no use for the money go ahead pay back the policy loans store that capital in a safe protected place so that then when the opportunity arises and you have a deal that you want to go fund you have that cash value bucket that you can take and start using for it
1: yeah so here's the thing that nelson nash always taught me he says capitalize 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 rule number one you never ever ever stop paying your policy premium it would be like you never stop putting deposits in your bank right you don't ever want to ever stop that um so never stop capitalizing your policy on your policy loans that i take I take those policy loans and I'm smart with it. Yeah, can I use the money to go to Disney World? Absolutely, I can. But if I'm going to use the money to go to Disney World, I'm going to have a system to pay myself back for going to Disney World because that was a luxury and it was not something that's gonna make me money. Me going to Disney World is not gonna make me money. So if I'm gonna use loan money to go to Disney World, I'm gonna pay myself back for that Disney World trip because I wanna have money to go on the trip next year to wherever it's gonna be. Maybe it's Disney World again, right? We have one person on our team, Jamie, I think she goes to Disney World every other week. That's how much she loves it. And she lives in Indiana, right? She and goes, too. she loves, and Shawna too. She lo- They love it, they love to go to Disney World. But that is for a, a, a vacation type thing. So whenever you're borrowing for that um, for for that vacation or maybe that experience that luxury experience, I always encourage you pay your policy loan back for that. But if you're going to borrow the money to make more money, such as an investment or a loan or something that we've been talking about, I never ever ever worry about paying back my policy loans because. I want to keep that money out there. I want to keep it in working. Let's use the example of the, is is, uh, that you pay pay 6% interest to the insurance company, but you're earning 12. Do I ever care if I ever pay the loan balance back on that 6% as long as I'm continuing to earn 12? Never. But here's what I do. Every single year at the policy anniversary date, I pay back that policy loan interest. So let's, if I borrowed a hundred, if I borrowed a million dollars and kept it out for a year at six percent, I send a sixty thousand dollar check in policy loan interest. If I borrow a hundred thousand dollars and at six percent, that's six thousand dollars. I pay back the policy loan interest. I do not let my policy loan interest capitalize or compound. I don't want. That compounding. I don't want the interest. I pay back policy loan interest every single year at the minimum. You can pay it back more, but at the minimum, one time a year. As long as I have use for the money and there's other investments or lending deals I can make, then I don't want the money sitting in the policy. No, I don't want it sitting in there. I want it out there in the workforce. So No, you don't have to pay back your policy loan ever. No, you don't have to pay back your policy loan interest. The insurance company will not call you up and say, hey, why do you want to take a policy loan and are you going to pay it back or
0: they're they're not
1: going to call you if you don't pay it back. The only reason they would ever call you or tell you is if your policy was in the risk of lapsing. But because you're working with us at the money multiplier team and we have a team of implementation specialists, that's not going to happen because we guide, lead and direct you and help you and assist you on how you're going to be using that money. Not that you have to follow what we say or what we do, but we're going to give you, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly and all the different choices and options that you have. But if you but again, if you hear nothing else, know this do not stop capitalizing your policy that was nelson's number 1 rule okay don't stop capitalizing pay back your policy loans that was his other rule pay back your policy loans and i agree with that rule with the exception of is if you are is if you're borrowing the money and you have it out there in other investments or lending opportunities that's going to make you more money, then you don't have to worry about paying back the loan balance because the money is working for you and you're making more money. Because why have something sit when you can make more money? But I think what Nelson really meant is always, always pay back your policy loan interest. Every year, pay the loan interest, even if you take a home equity line of credit, they don't allow you not to pay back the loan interest, do they? Now on a home equity line of credit, they charge it to you every month in a policy. It's once a year and you don't even have to do it. They give you the option, but we teach you to pay back that policy loan interest, at least once a year on an annual basis. And if you have no use for the money, and you're not using the money, then pay back your loan balance. There's no sense in keeping a loan balance out and just keeping it sitting underneath your mattress or in a conventional bank because anytime you have policy loan money, you are being charged an interest expense because it's not your money that you're borrowing. Remember, you put your policy up for collateral and you take a loan from the general fund of the insurance company. That's so it. it's the insurance company's money that you're borrowing. That's it. But all of this stuff we cover in massive amounts of um, detail. Of detail in our communication, our webinars, our our Zoom meetings, our recorded presentations and out there as well. That's it. But we're here to serve you. So if there's a question that we're not answering in the hundred podcasts that Hannah has done, in the Noggle information, the Devin Burr information, all the information that we have out there. If there's a question that you have that we have not answered and you're wondering, or maybe you haven't found it yet, we're an open book. Reach out to us. You know how to contact us. Brent at the Money Multiplier. Hannah at the Money Multiplier. Chris at the Money Multiplier. All of it. Sandra at the Money Multiplier. (laughs) You know. All of our first names at the money multiplier. Absolutely.
0: And then, And then lastly, all I'll say is that, and that's how we're covering the monthly expenses. Take that money, go out there, put it to work. And then each month when that passive income stream is coming in, that's how we tackle on the expenses. So let's have a one-on-one chat. You can go to our website, themoneymultiplier.com forward slash presentation, and you can see the foundation presentation of why are we practicing this? How are we doing it? And I would kind of just start there, and then we can always hop on that one-on-one strategy call. So happy banking. Yeah. Dad, thanks for being here. Are we done already?
1: Has it been 20 minutes? You told me when I sat down here, this was a 20 minute podcast. Yeah, I know Are I did. Are we at 20 minutes yet?
0: Dad, when you're on a <laughs> podcast, it ain't never going to be 20 minutes.
1: <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you. All
0: right. We'll see you later. Bye, We everybody. hope to serve you
1: in the future. Take care. Bye-bye.